In the name of Jesus Christ, I greet you to this, the house of the Lord. On a beautiful Sabbath day, where we come the beginning of this month of June, in a bit of bewilderment that the year is about half over, and how quickly time goes, but certainly enjoying the summer that is approaching and be able to be outside and feel the sunshine and enjoy the Lord's creation. It's good to look out and see you here this morning. My friends, some that I haven't seen for a while, it's good to have you here. And some visitors, it's good to have our visitors here with us this morning. Josh, you and your family. Saints, the, uh, the Lord is so good to each of us, isn't He? I'd like to use as a call to worship this morning out of the book of Ephesians. This is our theme scripture for today. It says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know, I wanted to use that theme scripture today because it speaks of us becoming citizens and saints in the household of God. And today is a very special occasion for three young people in particular that will receive today for the first time the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Now I know each of them, they've been raised in the church, they have witnessed many times in their young lives this sacrament of the Lord's Supper, but they haven't yet until they finally made that covenant in the waters of baptism. They haven't been able to reach forth and partake. And so we're pleased today that that Harper will get to be served by his great-grandfather, Darwin, the sacrament. And Crosby will get to be served by his father, Matt, and Emilia by his, her grandfather, Larry. And so you'll notice after the priesthood is served today that, as is our tradition, these young people will be served first before the congregation. So just to call your attention to that and and ask for your continued and prayerful support as these young people begin their life in a uh, uh, a new as a new person in Jesus Christ having been baptized and their sins washed away. Saints uh, together 
with thankfulness can we open up our hymnals and sing together with thankful hearts. We meet, O Lord, hymn number 37. Father, our God, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we come before you grateful with gratitude that you look down upon us, that you've called us out of obscurity through the power of your Holy Ghost to some understanding of your love for not only us, but all of your creation, and for that we are thankful. And yet we find ourselves here in these latter days, days of confusion, of uncertainty, even of doubts. And yet we know, God, that you have instructed us that there is many are stumbling because of the easiness of the way, the way in focusing on your Son, Jesus Christ. And if we might, but only for this moment, this day, for this service, be mindful of that. Help us, O oh God, to come today for one purpose and one purpose only, to remember your Son, to focus on what he has done for each of our lives, and each of us, not only each of us, but us collectively for the cause of your kingdom. I would pray that your good spirit would not only rest with the hearts and minds of your people as we soften our hearts, their minds might be enlightened, but your spirit might rest with Brother Scott as he would break forth the word of life. Bless us in our endeavor to honor you, O God, as we remember your Son and all that he has done for us and for the sake of your work going forth. And we pray and ask these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
For an offertory scripture, I would like to read from Doctrine and Covenants, section 101, verses 2, B, C, and D. The commandment I give unto you, that ye shall organize yourselves and appoint every man his stewardship, that every man may give an account unto me of the stewardship which is appointed unto him. For it is expedient that I, the Lord, should make every man accountable as stewards over earthly blessings, which I have made and prepared for my creatures. I, the Lord, stretched out the heavens and builded the earth as a very handy work, and all things therein are mine, and it is my purpose to provide for my saints, for all things are mine, but it must needs be done in mine own way. Will you bow with me? Our dear, kind, and loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for all the wondrous things that Thou hast so generously bestowed upon us. And now as we give somewhat back to Thee, help us realize that all that we have, all that we are, belongeth unto Thee, and what we give now is but a portion of what we owe Thee. This we ask in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, and I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, I'm basically going to talk about a journey that we all take in life, the journey to become ever closer to God through Jesus Christ. 
three of our members today, in, about three weeks ago, reached what I would call an important milestone in that journey. They received baptism of water and baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the end of the, that is not the end of our journey when we, when we go through those um, sacraments, when we partake of those. The journey continues. Now, I'm going to, buy, I'm going to kind of break um, three rules today in this talk. I'm going to break one of my own rules. I'm going to break one of my mother's rules. And I'm going to break one of my wife's rules. So and I'll, I'll have to preface all those when they happen. Um, hopefully this won't go over too poorly with the, the other two parties involved. We all have a testimony as to how we started on this journey, how we got to the point of baptism, and where we went after that. And I was inspired by two priesthood members recently who gave their uh, testimonies in their lives. Uh, as I said, I was inspired and led to do the same for myself. Now, the first rule I'm going to break is my own, but I'm going to cheat a little bit because mine's more of a guideline than a rule. I'm going to reference something from uh, Christmas in my sermon, which uh, this isn't really the Christmas season. In general, I don't like to... <laughs> I love Christmas. It's a wonderful holiday, but if I don't generally like to reference it too much outside of like the day after Thanksgiving until New Year's Day, but today I'm going to make an exception. It's kind of like... Um, the journey we're on is kind of like following the, the, the star, like the wise men did. They knew... They, they followed the star. Where the star stopped, that's, then they were at their destination. That was where the treasure was, the spiritual treasure, the, the, the Savior, the King of Kings. Kind of works the same thing with us. We follow the star. When we get there, when we underneath the star, where the star stops, that's when we've reached our destination. I was... Um, Born in Pigeon, Michigan. If uh, that's uh, my map of Michigan, that's there. That's where Pigeon is. And I grew up in the Catholic Church. Went to St. Francis Borgia Catholic Church. Um, and the first priest there that I can remember, at least, uh, was Father Glenn Con Cronkite. When I was about, I think I was about eight years old, I was um, asked recruited, drafted, whatever you want to call it, to be an altar boy. Now, back in those days, I guess now they're altar servers, but back then they were altar boys, where it was just only the boys did it. And basically, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Catholic Mass, but they're the, the young men up there with the, the black and white, I don't even know what they're called, but uh, they, they assist the priest who's uh, you know, officiating at the Mass. I was an altar boy up until the time I graduated from high school. Um, I actually enjoyed doing that. It was kind of weird. It was my cousin who uh, had, we actually had a training program for altar boys back when I started. And we went through, a, I think it was like a couple weeks uh, in a summer. We had to go to the church every day and we had to practice these, you know, what you do during a mass. When I was pretty young, my father stopped attending mass. I was never given an explanation by him or my mother as to why, and I was afraid to ask. I didn't, uh, maybe I shouldn't have been afraid to ask, but I didn't, 
I never asked. I'm not sure my mother knew exactly why. But he stopped attending. So then it was up to my mother, because before that we all went to church as a family. Every Sunday, uh, 10 a.m., we were, and sometimes at 8 a.m., but usually 10 a.m., we were at, we were at Mass up at, up at the church. Now I'm going to talk about, in second rule, I'm going to talk about my mother in public. She doesn't always like me to do that, but in this case, uh, again, I'm going to make an exception. Hopefully she'll be all right with it if she ever hears about this. Mom did not ask us to attend Mass every Sunday. It was expected that we would be there. And we were there every single Sunday. Now, when I got older, um, you know how teenagers are, they want to go out and uh, do things on Friday and Saturday night. Um, Usually mine involved being out quite late. Uh, I'd sit over at my one friend's house quite often and watch uh, television until, oh my gosh, probably about one in the morning and then I'd come home late. Well, mom's attitude was, um, okay, you can do that if you like, but you're still going to be getting up at like 8.30 in the morning to get ready for church and you're going to be ready for us to go. You're going to be there at 10 a.m. like any other Sunday. One Sunday, I actually, one Saturday night, Sunday, I actually pushed the point. I said, Mom, I just, I really just don't feel like it. I don't want to get up and I'm tired. She didn't care. She said, no, you know, you're, you're still going to get up. Um, and that's, that's what it is in this house and that's what you do. So I did. And, and um, then I, I mean, I pretty much, I mean, I was there then. I, I got that in my head to go to church every Sunday. So then I went to college. Uh, I was up in um, Marquette, Michigan, at Northern Michigan University. There were like three Catholic churches up in, in that town. Uh, there was one right off, like across the street from campus. I went there a few times. Then I discovered through research, um, I don't know if it was through history classes or just otherwise, that Marquette was the head of the diocese. That was the, 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 the Marquette, Northern Michigan diocese. And they had a cathedral. So I started to attend at the cathedral, and that was always, you know, I liked going there. It was, you know, I mean, you know, of course, it wasn't a big diocese, so it wasn't a very big cathedral compared to, like, Notre Dame or Cologne or some of those, but it was big, and it was, you know, ornate, and I enjoyed going. So then after college, went back home, went to church pretty much every Sunday again, until I moved out and went and lived in the Detroit area for a while. That was when I did not, uh, I started to get, you know, so of course when you get away from your parents and you're from your mother, then you start not maybe going to church as much or, you know, you start slacking off. And I did. Um, I started dating a girl who was also Catholic. And I tried a, a lot to get her to go to Mass. One Sunday, I, I must have really, I don't know, maybe she just gave up, you know, trying to fight it, and, we, and she went with me um, to the one church, the one, congr- uh, one parish. And, um, but I never could get her to go again. It was, uh, uh, she kind of was, used the excuse of, well, she had to work late on Saturday, and she just didn't want to get up, that kind of thing. So I started going sporadically after that again until... Uh, this girl broke up with me, and I started dating uh, Charlotte. Now, after dating Charlotte for a little while, she moved out into the area. We moved to a different part of the Detroit area, and I started 
I wasn't going to church at that point. I wasn't attending. And the Catholic Church was in such a state that I didn't really, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll get there when I get there. So I started to go to church with Charlotte. We found a congregation in Detroit, Detroit International Mission. We started to attend there. A little bit of a drive, but not that far. So we, were, we went there pretty much every Sunday. Um, I think that, yeah, then we, we got married, October 1991. And we continued to go to church for a while. But then, and this is now the third rule I'm going to break, I'm going to talk about, going to talk about Charlotte. Um, she basically told me, look, Scott, you can be Catholic or you can, can, you can be serious about the, the restored church, the restored gospel, but I don't want you to be on the fence. She told, basically told me, I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I really, it's going to hurt me if you're, if you're a fence setter. Reminded me of the scripture. Now, the scripture is maybe a little harsher than what Charla, because, you know, Charla loved me, of course, and she did this all in love, but the scripture kind of was similar, or kind of reminded me of what she was saying. And this comes from Revelation, books, uh, third chapter of Revelation, uh, verses 15 and 16. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot, cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. She's basically trying to tell me that, um, that God was not going to, you know, he didn't want me to sit on the fence either. He wanted me to do one or the other. And I had to make a decision pretty soon. So, I decided, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to start going to church with her in, at every Sunday, which I kind of already was, but I also was going to start really doing a lot of studying and prayer and looking, you know, and searching harder um, for the true gospel. Because that's really what I was looking for. I was looking for the truth. I was looking for the, the true gospel, the fullness of the gospel. And as you can probably suspect, uh, regrettably, I was not finding it in the Catholic Church. So, I started to seriously look in our scriptures and listen to our sermons. Well, theirs, you know, our church. And it became apparent to me through a couple of observations, probably some inspirations, the old doctrine that I was following was not complete. There were big gaping holes in it. And God then led me to the, to the true gospel, to the, to the fullness of the gospel. I had actually read the Book of Mormon going back a little bit in time. I would read it back in 1985 while I was a guide at Nauvoo at the historic site. Um, I think it was a copy. Actually, I think Charlotte had sent it to me. Uh, we were already kind of, you know, sort of kind of dating back then. That's another story. <laughs> it goes on. But, um, but she had sent it to me. I read it uh, in between all my other studies, you know, because I wanted to understand if I was, I figured at that time, yes, I was Catholic, but I was going to work for this church. I needed to understand them. I needed to know where they were coming from. So I read it, and at that point, at that time, apparently my mind wasn't ready to receive it because, you know, I just didn't, maybe, I don't know, maybe I wasn't, maybe I was too busy, probably distracted. But later, after I was informed that I was maybe a little too lukewarm, I read it again. 
read the Doctrine and Covenants. I started to read more of the inspired version of the scriptures. And it all fell into place. Everything made sense. From the story of Enoch to the story of Nephi and Lehi, all the way down to Moroni, it all made sense. It fit together like a glove on a hand. And so in 1992, I believe it was September of 1992, I was baptized. It goes back to me like anyone else. I saw the star and I wanted to follow it. But I wanted to see where it led. I wanted to, I wanted to go there. I wanted to have that, that, um, that blessing in my life. So what happens when you find the star? What happens when you get there? Well, the wise men, as according to the scriptures, were they had to go. They went back to their own country. Uh, the only thing it says they didn't do was go back to Herod and tell him what they found. Um, and I believe God had uh, instructed them to do just that. But after that, we don't really know what happened to them. But I'd like to speculate a little bit here and go out. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb and say that. Once we find where that star ends, that then we are commissioned to go out, and we are commissioned to be Christ-like in our in our actions, to minister to others, and to always remember Him, just like we are today. We're going to partake of the emblems in order to remember that covenant that we made. Now, it was kind of funny. We, me and Charlotte, were talking about. Uh, you know, I don't know if younger people do this, but when you get older, it seems to happen a little bit more. You walk into a room and you forget why you were there. Um, that happens to me a lot. <laughs> All right, maybe not that much, but, you know, the frequency is increasing. Um, but that means that when we come in, but you see, that's why God has set this all up for us. So that when we come in here, we partake of the emblems, then we remember why we're here. So it's like we don't have to walk into the room and say, why am I here again? Well, that's because... God wants to remind us that we made a covenant with him. And then we're going to partake of the emblems and and, uh, the the communion sacrament in order to remember that covenant. And in that way, we can then be reminded, continue our journey, and hopefully minister to our fellow man and become closer to God through Jesus Christ.
And when the disciples had come with bread and wine, he took of the bread and brake and blessed it, and he gave unto the disciples and commanded that they should eat. And when they had eaten and were filled, he commanded that they should give unto the multitude. And it came to pass that when he had said these words, he commanded his disciples that they should take of the wine of the cup and drink of it, that they should also give unto the multitude that they might drink of it. And it came to pass that they did so and did drink of it and were filled, and they gave unto the multitude, and they did drink and they were filled. And when the disciples had done this, Jesus said unto them, Blessed art ye for this thing which ye have done, for this is fulfilling my commandments, and this doth witness unto the Father that you are willing to do that which I have commanded you. And this shall ye always do unto those who repent and are baptized in my name, and ye shall do it in remembrance of my blood which I have shed for you, that ye may witness unto the Father that ye do always remember me. And if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. And I give unto you a commandment that ye shall do these things. And if ye shall, and if ye shall always do these things, blessed are ye, for ye, ye are built upon my rock. Once again, saints, the emblems, the wine is prepared for you. Will you join me together as we kneel as the prayer of blessing is offered over the wine? Saints, prior to partaking of first the bread and then the wine, I read to you scripture that is found in the third book of Nephi. And how fortunate we are to have the uh, document of the first sacrament of the Lord's Supper taking place uh, in the nation of the Nephite people. And Christ himself came and taught them. And we have that record. And I trust as I read those words, you saw in that which we do the pattern of what is written there in those sacred words. We indeed are most fortunate to have them. You know, I have to tell on uh, these young people this morning that partook for the first time. Now, I couldn't see each of their faces but just a glimpse, but the big smiles that they had on their faces, and not only them, but all their family. What a joy it is to know that uh, these young ones have put their foot on a path that is well-trodden and that is straight and is narrow. We're indeed blessed to... uh, be part of that church family and support them as, and we look forward as they grow and their formative years as they learn. I can remember uh, when I was eight and reaching forth and I wasn't worried about picking up the bread and eating it, but I was worried about the wine. Can I get it out of that tray without spilling? And everybody was watching 
At least I felt like they were. It gets so much better after that. Your first time is over. You're a regular pro now. Saints, we will uh, conclude our service with the singing of our next hymn. Brother Tony will dismiss us with a benediction. And I just pray that uh, you have felt this day a great blessing. For I know that the Lord has moved in our midst. I know that He has touched your hearts. We've already heard those in our prayer and testimony service bear witness of that. And I pray that He stays with you throughout this week until we can return again to His house to worship Him once more.